This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. It's a little lengthy, but we'll get through it, and uh, it's good stuff, okay? It says this, verse 1. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel, before whom I stand and obediently serve, the next year is going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. Verse 2. Then God told Elijah to get out of here and fast. Head east to hide out in the Kirith Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook. I've ordered ravens to feed you. Verse 5. Elijah obeyed the Lord's orders, he went and capped in the Kirith Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. Eventually, the brook dried up because of the drought, the drought that God had brought. Sorry. Yeah, in Jesus' name. She's agreeing. Then God spoke to him, get up and go to Zerapath in Sidon, and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up and went to Zerapath, and he came to the entrance of the village where he met a woman, a widow, gathering father firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? Remember, it's a drought, okay? So this is a huge request that he's asking this poor widow woman for some water. I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Hey, will you grab me a sandwich while you're at it? You know what I mean? Go into the kitchen. Will you whip up a sandwich for me, you know, real quick? Verse 12. She said, I swear as surely as your God. We need to remember this. She is indicating that the God of Israel is not her God, but is his God. Surely as your God lives, I don't have as much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. He found me scraping together just enough firewood to make one last meal for my son and me. Afterwards, we'll eat it, and then we'll die. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you said. But first, make me a small biscuit from, for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal for, from what is left over for you and your son. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out, and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. She went right off and did exactly what he said, and it turned out, as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal did not run out, and the bottle of oil did not become empty. God's promises, if you have a physical Bible, or you can highlight, or you can take this little part, okay, you need to remember this. It says this, God's promise fulfilled to the letter. Amen? We just sang a song. God's promises are what? Yes 
an amen. When you know the word of God, when you know his truth, you can stand on the promises of God and know that God will not fail. He never fails. Okay, so we need to have some understanding. We need some background in this story, okay? First Kings introduces us to Elisha, I mean Elijah, okay? He's an unknown prophet who is appearing during the time of evil King Ahab, okay? Now, Ahab was a wicked man, and his wife was just as terrible. Her name was Jezebel, okay? So if anybody says that somebody has a Jezebel spirit or they're a Jezebel, that's a terrible thing to say over somebody, okay? It means they are an awful, awful person, okay? Between Ahab and Jezebel, they had taken the kingdom of Israel, and they had turned them from worshiping gods to turning them to worship idols, okay? Now, this is always the plan of the enemy. This is the plan of the enemy for America and for every nation. This is the plan of the enemy for your life, to get you to turn from the Lord and to worship other things other than the Lord God Almighty, okay? Listen, it is always, always, always about worship. That's why worship for us, for us isn't something we just do. It is a staple of who we are here at Elevate Church. We are taking time to pause and say, we are not God. Jesus, you are God, and we will focus our energy, our time, our attention on you. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. All right. So God appoints Elijah. To do what? Turn back the nation to God. And God gives him a prophetic word, and he goes to Ahab, and he says, listen, over the next year, there's going to be no rain. There's going to be no dew. There's going to be a severe drought. Everything's going to dry up until I give the word again. And then God tells him to do what? He tells him to go flee. Why? Because the king's going to kill him. Right? You don't speak this way to a king. King's going to kill him. So God sends him into the wilderness, but God is really sending him into the wilderness because he wants to teach him about his ways. Right? Isn't that what God's always trying to do? He's trying to reveal to us who he is and how his kingdom works. Because we live in America, okay, we are super blessed. I mean, we are crazy blessed. Yeah, come on, give it up, give it up. I mean, there are stores packed with food, right? So we grow up in abundance, and we grow up in blessing, and we grow up with everything being a democracy, and, oh, Lord, I'm on Facebook, and you are going to hear my opinion. Somebody's hearing my opinion, right? But this isn't God's kingdom. It's not how a kingdom works. In a kingdom, there's a king. And when there's a king, we serve the king. So we have to learn God's ways and how God's kingdom flows so that we can live in the abundance. Because here's what's cool about being inside of a kingdom. The king is super wealthy. So what does that mean? All of his people are blessed too. Right? 
Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I want to live the blessed life. I want this church to live the blessed life. So we're going to look at five truths that come from this passage today. Truth number one is this. God will ask you to do something uncomfortable. Sorry. I didn't write the book. Right? God's going to ask you to do something uncomfortable. In verse 5, it says, Elijah obeyed God. It says this. Okay? And sure enough, the ravens brought him his meal, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. So we need to understand something. Number one, ravens are unclean animals. Okay? According to the law of Moses, they were not to touch ravens or have anything to do with ravens. So this is an unclean animal. And when you became unclean, there was no way to become unclean. Okay? So you cannot touch a raven. And God speaks to him, hey, a raven is going to come and feed you. All right? So the next thing we need to understand about this is this. The raven wasn't coming with Jimmy John's, okay? I love Jimmy John's, okay? Nicely fresh, cut, cured, wonderful sandwiches, okay? Oh, can we get a Jimmy John's break right now, right? Come on, somebody. The Ravens weren't bringing Jimmy John's. There wasn't Kroger for the Ravens to stop at. There wasn't a click list. They weren't, you know, click listing and then, like, you know, bringing a meal. Okay? What were they doing? They were eating dead carcasses. Right? Come on. Listen. Have you ever had a dead animal anywhere around you? Okay? I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's just a boy thing. I remember we were in high school, and we were playing this game. I don't know if any of you ever played this game before, but everybody would start with, like, a can of Coke. And then you would go, like, door to door and ask people if you could trade your can of Coke for something else. And then they would give you something, and you would trade it. And then there would be, like, it was like a competition at the end of the day. So we're, like, doing this. And as we're doing this, we see a dead raccoon on the side of the road. And we're, like, Man, that would be really funny to bring this dead raccoon back to, like, when we meet up with everybody. So we take this dead, we have this, like, old shovel, and we get this dead raccoon that's, like, decaying, and we put it inside of the truck. Why we put it inside the truck? Because we're boys. Boys are stupid and dumb, okay? Kind of get an amen from all the boys, okay? I'm just going to say there was a chain reaction of throw-up inside of the truck that just made things even, even worse, okay? All right? So the ravens are feeding on dead carcasses, eating the food, flying back to him, and then regurgitating the food to him. Oh, Jesus, you're like, I'm never coming back to church again. This is so disgusting. And God goes, this is how I'm going to feed you. God's breaking his own law. Right? I mean, he would have died for some McDonald's. 
Some of us in here are like, oh, I never eat at McDonald's. I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, for all of you that hate on McDonald's, give me a number nine meal, two cheeseburgers, fries, and a Coke any day of the week. Okay? We'll pray for the rest of you, okay? Listen, God's going to ask you to do something uncomfortable. We're celebrating four years. It was really five years. Can we give it up for four years? Come on, can we just give it up for God's grace and goodness? Five years ago, me and my family and Pastor Matt and Levi, Marissa, John Thompson, we all moved down here. And the Lord said, quit your job. What is God really saying? He's saying, take the thing that makes you comfortable and quit that. God said, hey, uh, leave your paychecks. I don't know about you, but I like getting paid. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I got three kids. It's a lot to take care of, right? God said, hey, leave your comfort, leave your paychecks. God said, hey, leave Living Word, leave their help. We left $200,000 on the table that God instructed me not to take. He said, just move. We didn't know anybody. God just said, go. See, I really believe this. I really believe this. I'm not only the one that's called to do really incredible things for God. I just took God at his word. Did you get that? Like, God calls all. All of us, all of us to do incredible things. He's just looking for those that will go, all right, God, I'll walk in faith. I'll do something extremely uncomfortable. As we move here, we have no money, we have no jobs. Just gets this wild thought about buying tables off of Craigslist and redoing them. Put that picture up. Right? This is what we did. We would redo tables. I think that uh, that table we probably bought for $75, and then we, you know, put $100 into it. it go to the next picture, okay? But, like, like our garage, I, I mean, I can't even tell you what our neighbors probably thought about us, okay? I mean, it's like Santa's workshop, workshop okay? It was, we called it manna. They would come, we would work, and they would go. And they would come, and they would come, and they would come. Now, for 17 months, this sustained us, okay? But I had no idea this is how God would feed us. And let me tell you, it wasn't fun work. It's not fun stripping tables. I mean, we were like high in the garage every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's probably what gave us the strength to get through the season, to be honest. 
sanding tables. We're painting tables. It's cold. Your hands hurt. You're like crouched under this table going, I got to get this perfect sand line because, you know, they want this, you know, Chip and JoJo look. Right? This is my raven moment. just pure faith. We didn't know when we were going to get paid. We didn't know when it was going to come, but we just knew that God was good and he was faithful. And this is how he was going to feed us. See, God prepared him to accept God's plan and his will. And he tries to do the same thing with us. We go, oh, God, that's disgusting. I don't like that. I don't like how that feels. And God goes, if you'll just trust me, just trust me. I'll take good care of you. Just trust me. Number two is this. It's the fight between faith and reality. This is where a lot of us get to. We accept Jesus. He comes into our heart. That's the Lord calling right now in Jesus' name. He's dropping a million dollars today, isn't he? Amen? Amen? I'll take it. It's a fight between faith and reality. Verse 10. So he got up and went to Zarephath, and as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. He asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a jug? I need a drink. And as she went to get it, he called out and said, while you're at it, will you bring me something to eat? So listen, Elijah has some realities. And how many of you know that our reality and faith never seems to match up? Does it? Ever? Ever? Until the miracle comes, right? When the miracle comes, we go, oh, I get it now. But there's this place in this space that God intends and he loves for you to be there, even though your flesh is freaking out and you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram and you're on Twitter and you have got to tell the world about your problems, right? You got to tell the world what's going on because it is so rough and it is so bad and everybody needs to know what's happening, right? Oh man, everybody got really quiet right there again. God loves this place. See, for Elijah, it's an unclean bird, and then it's an unclean woman. Because this woman was not a child of God. She wasn't from Israel. And God's going to take him from a bird to a woman to take care of him. Faith and reality. For the woman, it was she had nothing left because of this drought. And the very man that spoke the words from God to bring the drought is standing in front of her. She's got nothing left. She's about to die. This woman's reality is this, is that Elijah, a.k.a. God, God is asking this woman, I need you to give. And I need you to give an offering in the midst of your famine. 
Remember the first point? God will ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. Hey, will you give me something first? Right? What is God doing? God is trying to teach us some things. God is trying to teach Elijah. He's trying to teach Elijah something. He teaches him this. Elijah, I will break my own law, my law, because I love this woman and her son so much. I will change your perspectives. I will take you to a place you could have never imagined because I love this woman and her son more than you could ever, ever possibly imagine. Why? Because God loves people. Right? Like, we just think that God loves Christians and that God loves everybody that's here today. But did you know that God loves everybody else that isn't here just as much as he loves you? And that he will do he will go to any length, any length to get to them. God's changing his perspective, but he's also bringing the woman to the place where she is willing to do anything. Because remember, this isn't her God. This is his God. This is a neighboring nation. These two nations don't like each other. They don't believe the same thing. But she is so desperate for a breakthrough because she's about to die. Isn't it amazing what happens when you get really hungry and really thirsty? Isn't it amazing when you get really desperate? That at that point, you will cry out to God and go, God, whatever your plan is, Whatever you have in store for me, I want that. And he brings both of them to this place, this tension between faith and reality. I don't have what I need, but in faith I do. In faith I have everything. In faith I can trust God. In faith I know that he is faithful. In faith he's got my back. In faith his word never fails. In faith his promises are yes and amen. In faith. But I don't have it. It's a tension. Leads us in point number three is this. Elijah and the woman put the Lord first. They both put the Lord first. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you said. But first, make me a small biscuit and bring it back here. Why did he say first? Because God is going, put me first. Put me first. I'm first. Then go ahead and make a meal for you with what's left over for you and your son. The word of the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went right off and did it. That should be the story of our life. God speaks and we went right off and did exactly what God spoke to us. And it turned out, as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal did not run out, and the bottle of oil did not become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter. To the letter. To the letter. 
I'll never forget our first, the first month of this church. I think our total tithes and offerings that month might have been, I think, $4,000 or so. And I had more bills than we had revenue. Right? And I'm in my upstairs little office that I have, and I'm just, I'm just, my God, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? I'll never forget the Lord goes, you put me first. That's what you're going to do. And I didn't even know who to give to, so I just, I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, who do you want me to give to? He said, so to John and Lisa Bevere. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bevere and their ministry. It's incredible. And I'll never forget. I put $400 in. And you think $400, man, that's not a lot of money. Man, I was trembling because I already didn't have enough. Right? I mean, you don't understand. I'm like trembling and I am like sobbing at this computer. And I'm just like, God, you are first. You are first. Even when I don't feel it, even when it doesn't make sense, God, you are first. We've never ran out. We've never ran out. This building doesn't even make sense. Four years old, we shouldn't have this building. We shouldn't be giving, we shouldn't be giving away $52,000 to missions. We shouldn't be doing any of this. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And he just needed me to put him first. Put me first, and it will never run out. I promise you, you put him first in your time, your, your finances, your energy. You sow, you sow, you sow, you put him first. You will never run out. Ever. Ever. And I know it's uncomfortable. But let me remind you of something. I told our students this growing up. I tell you guys this. God isn't trying to rob from you. God is trying to bless you. If you will trust him, if you'll trust him financially, if you'll trust him with your time, if you'll trust him with your talent, if you sow these things, you will be blessed. Point number four. Got to hurry. We got something cool to do here at the end. Point number four is this. Even when they couldn't see God working, he was working. There's going to be moments where you think, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about me? God, what has happened? God, where are you? Same time, God is always Always. God prepares both the miracle 
and the one who will bring the miracle. Okay? Um, go to those pictures of that building. First one. This is our first home. It's literally, literally around the corner. Okay? It's a teen center called the Edge Teen Center. Okay? We have a couple hundred students come there Monday through Friday. Um, I don't know if you have teenagers, but teenagers are dirty people, okay? They're nasty people, okay? And they were dirty, nasty people in this building, okay? All right, next picture. Let's go through a couple of pictures. This was, this was our, that was our foyer, about a total of 100 square feet, okay? Next picture. That was our kids' room, okay? I'm trying to figure out who that is. It is Joey. I think it's Bubba, Todd. Is Todd in here? I think he's out in the foyer. There, I think that's Bubba. I think it is. Next picture. There was our little stage. I mean, it was so small. Okay? It was, and I mean, like, it was like I, I was here and they were there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we were just on top of each other. And you can see over to the right, uh, there was like a cutout. There was a wall. There was this foam wall that we would just kind of prop up, and a kids' ministry was in there. And the kids' volunteers is Amanda Coots. I know Amanda's back there. Okay, Amanda Coots would be like, "Please God, be quiet. Please God, just try to keep them quiet and settled because we were right next to each other." Okay, now. Before we got here, we were at my house. We were doing church at my house. And I had no clue what to do. We needed a miracle. We needed somewhere to have service. And we needed somewhere cheap, okay? Because school wasn't cheap. School was like $1,100 a weekend, okay? And our offerings were like $350 a weekend, okay? So we needed cheap, and remember, I got a call from this man named Ken. And Ken and his wife oversaw this teen center. And um, he said, hey, I heard you're looking somewhere to have church. I said, yeah. He said, why don't you come in? And we came in, and we walked it, and Again, it was one of those moments where, like, God, this just doesn't make sense. But the Holy Spirit was like, this is home. This is home. And see, the thing that I didn't know was that Ken and Brenda ran this teen center, and this teen center was a nonprofit, and they were hurting for finances. But we were a church that had no home, and we were hurting for a home. See, when I was at my house, there was this 10-week period that I was at my house. And I promise you, there was a moment in the middle of it that I almost quit. It was that moment where I just went, God, where are you? Where are you? What are we going to do? See, we don't always know how and when, but God is 
always working. Even when we don't see him working, he's always working to line things up for his glory and for your benefit. God is always working. So Ken's crying out for finances. I'm crying out for a building, and what does God do? God's working on Ken, and God's working on me, and then he brings us together. See? But you know what's crazy about this whole story is this, that when I met Ken, I did not know and understand that he was an elder in this church, in this building, and that he was part of a team that was responsible for this building and finding a new person for this building. So the same time that we're in this little, little teen center, and then we went to this small 2,000 square foot space, this warehouse next to it. During these two and a half years, this building is sitting and it is rotting and they are losing money and they are tired and they are stressed and they don't know what to do with it. And Ken is carrying this burden. And again, Ken has this burden and he's crying out to the Lord. And then I have this issue and I'm going, God, we're growing and I don't know where to go. And what does God do? He's working everything out for his glory. And Ken is the one that got us into this building. God knows it all. He's working it all out. He knows the story before you know the story. Number five, worship team, come on up. God will ask you to walk in faith before you know why. Verse seven, eventually the dry, the book, the brook dried up because of the drought. And God spoke to him, get up and go to Zerapath and sit beside him where you will live. If Elijah wasn't obedient, the woman and her son would have died. Right? If he wasn't obedient, the woman and the son would have died. God doesn't always tell you everything. He just tells you, go. I remember when he told us to come here. He said, you have a different DNA. You have a different style. You have a different culture than anything around there. And I want you to go here. And like I said, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know anybody. We just trust the Lord. And we don't really, we know why he's sending us, but we really don't know why. So I'm going to show you why today. Um, uh, everybody I've asked to... Uh, Speak, will you stand up? Come on up here. These are some families, some individuals. Some have been with us from the beginning. Some have come at different times and seasons. What is the why? Why be obedient? Because of these people. 
because of you. Because you all have stories. And God wanted to bless you. He wanted to use this church to bring grace to you and strength to you. And so I asked them, they all get just a couple minutes. If they go longer, I'm just going to grab them and push them off, okay? Okay? They just get a couple minutes. But they're going to share what this church has meant to their family. The why. So... We're sorry, Alyssa Gibson. Come on, give it up for Alyssa. I love this girl. Love this girl. She actually grew up in my brother's church in Chicago. She came here super hurt, super bitter at God, super bitter at church. And uh, God's just done incredible things. You ready? So if anybody didn't know, I am actually a pastor's kid. So I have grown up in church my entire life. And I've always seen the dirty, the nitty gritty, the gross, the mean, the cruel. And I have had such a hatred for pastors. And I know that sounds so mean and so cruel, but when you grow up the way that I did, it was just really rough and really gruff. And you never got someone who is real with you. You only got expectations out of stuff. So I spent my whole life trying to be this really perfect kid for people that people wanted their kids to look like, that they wanted their kids to be. And on the inside, I was falling apart. I wasn't seen, I wasn't heard. I was just kind of forgotten. <laughs> and I remember walking into this church the first time and my mom had actually met with um, Pastor Jeff's brother and was talking to him and he was my old youth pastor and he was like, um, my brother runs a church and I told my parents and the time I lived in Dayton I was like I won't drive 30 minutes for a church it's just not worth it um, and I decided to show up one day I have never seen God move in such a mighty way than the way this whole church has run from the very beginning thank you God has such an anointing on Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jess, and I can tell you right now wholeheartedly, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for this church. <laughs> I wouldn't be the creative person that I'm striving to be. I wouldn't be the person that I want to be. <laughs> I still have so much growing to do, but I can tell you that I am not the same person that I walked in this building with three years ago. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I told myself I would never call a church a home ever again and this whole week I was like God what am I even going to say I have no words and all I kept hearing over and over again is this is home <laughs> this is home and it's not the building it's not the pretty decorations or the graphics or anything like that it's not the lights it's just that these people love God in such a mighty way that it shows in every little thing that they do. Thank you, guys.
Come here, Beth. Now, Beth is like super new. This is Kyle. We love Kyle. Good looking young man. Single guy. Ladies chasing you every day. I didn't know when Beth walked in, but Beth is a single mom and has a great story. God's redeeming and restoring, and we love her so much. Thank you. Elevate Church has been just life-changing for both Kyle and I. Um, I mean, ever since Kyle was born, I always prayed um, that I could find a church um, that I would call home. And we've been to some amazing churches. Um, But I can honestly say that Elevate has just been home for us. I mean, since we started dinner parties, since Amanda and um, invited us to dinner parties on Friday, and then the first service on that Sunday um, was just, I I was blown away. And then um, Kyle just being in movement with Matt and Elena has been, I can't even describe because I mean, he, he wants to go to youth group every Wednesday. He's like, when's, you know, youth group just getting excited about going and how he's changed just growing and learning more about God, connecting, um, and just being the man that God has desired him to be, um, and I, I, I'm just so excited that we're here. I mean, I've met so many wonderful people, friends, um, and, and people that I haven't talked to in a long time I've, are here. And I was like just blown away how the, just the connection of different churches and different people that I've met has been amazing. Um, and I'm just so super excited um, to see where Elevate goes. And I'm just to be involved and be connected and to continue to grow. Um, Pastor Jeff and Jess have been amazing blessing to me um, and Kyle. I mean, I just, I, words can't describe what Elevate means to us. Um, so just thank you and I'm excited. We're excited. love this family. Look at this bow tie. Look at this bow tie, somebody. If you haven't met Simon and Colette, they're an amazing, amazing family. I love their children. I love their family. God's got his hand all over them. We love them so much. Okay, so I'm super nervous, but anyways, like you said today, um, God truly puts us in situations that are uncomfortable, but I know that I'm going to grow from this. So I'm Colette. This is Simon. I, um, work in the kids ministry. I help oversee the heroes class, which I love all your kids and just growing them, but yay for children's ministry. Um, But also um, we came to Elevate Church back in the fall of 2017. We've always been a part of serving at churches, but we just knew that deep down we needed more and desired community and relationships with real, genuine, and authentic people. And that's what we found to Elevate. And a while back, I actually sent a letter to Jeff that is kind of illustrating some of this, why we believe that we came to Elevate. So We first fell in love with Elevate because of the love and compassion people showed, especially towards our son, Liam. I'm sorry. He's our sensitive soul, and he has a heart for worship and music. We loved how they didn't mind him worshiping in the front of service and then going straight to his class, which he truly loved and tuned into. 
Then in 2018, we have been tried in many ways, but on one Sunday, there was a series called Taste and See. Pastor Jeff mentioned that we go through seasons and I believe that God is truly revealing his nature and character in our lives. This church has allowed us to be ourselves without judgment, without condemnation, without reservation. It has allowed us to strip back the layers of ourselves and see who we really are, putting our trust in. It's pointed us to Christ in every situation, even when we didn't want to hear it. Pastor Jeff has pulled at our hearts with every single message. We feel that as, as though God has led us here to slow down, to truly take the steps to refine us from within and make us stronger in him. So thank you, Pastor Jeff and Jess, and Elevate, cr creating a community that we so deeply desired and getting us back to the heart of God and allowing us to have a greater faith in him. Joaquin's here, Reese is at home with a sick one. so much so much you ready amen hello everyone like pastor jeff said please excuse my wife she couldn't come she's dealing with grace here at home my daughter she's uh dealing with the flu but the boys had to step in and take you know take one for the team <laughs> gonna let Jaden first you know and shares a couple words with you guys From the first day, Elevate has been a joyful place for my sister and I. I never really liked going to church, but Elevate changed that when I felt the love of God and, I, and when we felt welcome. The experience made me feel wanting to come to, to keep coming every Sunday. Elevate, you have, you have made lear, learning about God fun and made all sense to me. Before, the Bible did not really make sense to me, but now it's all coming together. Because of Elevate, I made a lot of new friends, and now I want want to get deeper with my relationship with God. Thank you for everything everything you have done you have done for me and my sister. Elevate has been our emergency room, our recovery room. A house of restoration since the first day we came through the doors the love of God was tangible for us it was a true Jesus heartfelt experience through those serving in the welcome team because of Elevate we have learned the true character of Jesus to love one another regardless of our imperfections to be compassionate and gracious just like God has been to us through many of you since our first day not only that we have learned how to establish a genuine relationship with Jesus, different from religion, and also how to live free from condemnation, understanding God's grace and mercy over our lives. Elevate because of the love of Christ in you. God has restored our marriage. My children are confident that Jesus loved them and that he is real. Because of you, we have found genuine friends and a strong community, a family that was truly there in times of our needs. We will always be beyond grateful and to have called Elevate our home church. And we pray that God will continue to expand this territory and to welcome broken people just like us. They need to know the real Jesus and his real love. May the Lord continue to bless this house and the leaders of this house. Thank you so much. Come 
This is Heather and Hector. I love them so much. Can you guys stand up here? We love them. God's just doing, God's doing work in their life right now. It's not all perfect. But God's, God's got his hand on them. He's working it all out for his glory. Amen. I would only do this for Pastor Jeff. <laughs> um, we truly believe Elevate has helped save our marriage. Before we came, we were struggling with our faith. How to treat each other and how to parent our children. Um, as most of you know, we recently went through a couple um, traumatic events that were life-changing, and we truly believe that without Elevate, our lives would be in a different place right now. The outpouring of love from the members of Elevate and Jeff and Jess were truly humbling to us. Because of the acceptance and love we got during these events, our faith during the hardship actually got stronger, where before it probably would have torn us apart. Elevate taught us, sorry. Elevate taught us we aren't alone. No problem is too big for God to overcome. And because of Elevate, our marriage is in the best place it's ever been. Our faith is stronger and we have made God the center of our relationship. Elevate means to us faith, family, love, and acceptance, and most of all, a loving God. We got Ryan and Chrissy Ero. I think you came on the first anniversary. There's this video, first anniversary, we have like confetti falling, and Ryan's like, Where am I? What is happening? And we were in that small little teen center too. And we love them so much. We would not be in this building. It wasn't for the wisdom of Ryan Ertl. God divinely put the Ertl family here so that we could be here today. And they're just amazing. They serve. They're incredible. They're elders. We love them so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, try not to cry. Our family first started attending Elevate in 2017. For me personally, I had just walked through one of the most difficult seasons of my faith. We had left our previous church that we had attended for over five years. Ryan and I were involved in various ministries, serving consistently, and had really poured our hearts into growing that small church. Tragically, the enemy came in that church. He took a foothold, and the ripple effect of sin and deception destroyed our church from the top down. It broke my heart, and it nearly paralyzed my faith. The only way that I can describe walking through that ordeal was like grieving a death. In that place, the enemy was unrelentless for many months, trying so hard to get me to believe that I didn't need to do church anymore, that I could walk with Jesus by myself. He did everything he could to get me to isolate myself. My heart broke for how I had seen the church hurt people. I knew in my heart that walking away from church was not the solution and that I was created for community with other believers. But I struggled to believe that I could ever find a church to love as I once did, and I was desperate to find one where it was 100% about Jesus, nothing more and nothing less. 
I began to really question if such a church really even existed. I just wanted Jesus, but I was struggling to find him in many churches that we visited. I prayed and I prayed and I begged God to help me to find another church, one that was 100% focused on his glory and not their own. Then an invitation came from a dear friend, Barbara Reeves, and she was inviting us to a new church called Elevate. Ryan was out of town that first week that I attended, and what I remember was walking into the teen center where Shannon Wesley was the first face that greeted me with a fist bump. <laughs> I was immediately then welcomed by Hannah Spaniak with the most heartfelt welcome and the biggest hug. When worship started, it was like an overflow of tears. I just couldn't stop crying. I had never experienced worship like we do at Elevate, and I had grown up in church for most of all of my life. It was so tangible, it was so beautiful, and I felt my heart start to feel again. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit literally healing my broken heart and showing me that indeed a place existed where it really was just about Jesus. It was his heart and his agenda, and Elevate was just that. Fast forward three years now, the impact Elevate has had on my marriage, my children, and my own personal walk with Jesus is immeasurable. We don't just have friends at Elevate, we have church family. And to me, it is really, truly my family. My kids have grown in their faith week after week. They've gained so much confidence in knowing who they are in Christ, and they have a blast. They have had moments, we have had moments at dinner parties where we have laughed until we have cried. We have saw miracles that have stretched our faith, and we've experienced Jesus in the midst of all of it while sharing a meal, like Farah's amazing stuffed jalapeno peppers and Stevie Kurtz's amazing cookies. I have never, I have never met pastors like Jeff and Jess and Matt and Elena. I am so grateful for you guys, your obedience, love, your heart, and your leadership. It is a privilege and an honor to serve and to worship alongside of you. And we just love you guys so much. I don't know where the Lord is going to take Elevate in 2020 and beyond, but what a privilege and an honor it is just to play a small part. I know that there are people and families just like mine and just like yours who need Jesus. And through this church and through our outstretched hands, we will welcome them and they will find him. This is why. This is why we are obedient. This is why we choose to serve the Lord. This is why we choose. This is why we give. This is why we sow. This is why we give time. This is why we take our talent and our and our gifts, and our finances, and we show it. This is why. This is why. Because God hasn't called us just to this. I am so happy for this, and I am so happy for what's happening on year four, but I'm so excited for year five, and six, and seven, and eight, and nine, and 10, and year 20, and year 30. I can't wait to see how the ripple effect just gets bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and see what the Lord has done. Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 20 says, he'll do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever hope dream or imagine, right? 
because he is faithful. She's staying up this morning. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information. 